Psalm 131 is where we'll be. And it's a short one here. Maybe one most of us have not even noticed before. And yet there's a thought here I want to bring out. Psalm 131, I'd like to read the three verses together out loud. And uh, this will test our unity as a church. But it's good for us. Psalm 131, verse 1. Ready, begin. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. The verse I'd like to focus on tonight is verse 2, where it says, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Uh, thank you for standing. Out of respect for God's word, you may be seated. Uh, this last week, my wife and I went into um, a fast food um, establishment and we were getting food and we ate. And on our way out, um, there was a little girl standing at the front counter of this um, establishment. And uh, her, her mom or grandmother walked up and said, what are you doing? And this little girl, she, she had to have been, maybe she was four, three or four years old. She was really, really little. And she said, she was holding a toy. And she said, I just want to thank them for giving me a toy. And the mom, the grandma, whoever it was, said this. And she said, literally, you don't have to thank them. They're just workers. And I was like, oh, yeah? No, I didn't really. I didn't say anything. Not my child. You don't have to thank them. They're just workers. And, you know, it, it is true. It's not necessarily expected that you're going to thank somebody for for doing your, their job or, you know, most children. But I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking most children aren't thinking like that. Most children that age aren't thinking, I want to make sure they know how much I appreciate what, that, what they did for me. And I know it's a silly little thing, but it really did cause me to think, especially about this week with Thanksgiving coming up, how I do believe that's a sign of our, in our culture that gratitude has almost become an optional virtue. Meaning that if, if, if it's not that important to me, I don't have to say thank you, it's optional. Right. Or if it's not what I expected, then I certainly am not going to say thank you, it's optional. Or if I don't value what you did enough, then I don't have to say thank you, it's optional. And, and, it, and there's a mindset that I believe is going around in our world that gratitude is optional. Even if it does meet our expectation then gratitude is optional. It's not important. Even if it is something that we value, it's optional. It's not important. If it's something even that we get that we expected to get, it's, it's optional. It's not important. And, and I believe we live in a culture that views gifts and, and uh, gestures or thoughts or accommodations as something I deserve. I deserve this. I, I'm entitled to this. I, I'm privileged. And therefore, gratitude is optional. And the act of gratitude has largely become the missing virtue in our culture. Uh, and mostly I think that's because the highest virtue is individualism, which means it's all about me and I'm not thinking about anybody else. 
And, and that's important this week for us to remember. I, I just want to, I'm giving you some thoughts here tonight that I, I think will, will help us to focus this week. Because this week is all about being thankful. And let's be honest, if anyone should be thankful, it's God's people. We don't just have physical blessings, we have spiritual blessings. We have eternal blessings. And I, I know that we all agree with that, but I also want to warn you that there's a dangerous mindset in this statement I just made. I want you to listen again. If anyone should be thankful, it's God's people. We don't just have physical blessings, we have spiritual blessings. And we have eternal blessings. Now, is anything that I just said inaccurate? No. Is anything that I just said untrue? No, it's all true. But if we're not careful, we might take a statement like that and consider what it implies and assume, well, if I don't have blessings, then I don't have to be thankful. You understand? Like we, we say, well, if anyone should be thankful, it's God's people. Why? Because we don't just have physical blessings. We have spiritual and eternal blessings. But if we're not careful, we can take a statement like that and almost imply if there are no blessings, there doesn't have to be gratitude. And I do think that, yes, we, might, we can sometimes be, be judgmental and rightfully so on somebody who is not thankful or somebody who considers gratitude to be optional. But I wonder how many of us as God's people in an area like what I'm going to talk about tonight, gratitude has become optional. By that, I mean in the areas where we don't obviously see God's blessings, gratitude has become optional. See, not, not even um, in the areas that we don't see God's blessings, but there may be some things in our lives that, that we, are, we, we thank God for, but we don't thank God for the things that we don't have. See, it's easy to be thankful for what we do have. But it's not quite as easy to be thankful for what we don't have. There are times when God allows things to be removed from our lives. And as unnatural as it feels, we are just as obligated to be thankful in the losses as we are in the blessings. See, David wrote Psalm 131 in one of the Psalms of Ascent. And by that I mean there are certain psalms in the book of Psalms right here in this section where uh, these psalms would have been sung by the, by the Hebrew pilgrims as they came from all around Jer Israel to go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is on a higher elevation. They would walk up to Jerusalem during the annual feast. They would bring their offerings with them. They would sing these psalms as they walked up the hill. It's a psalm of ascent. And this short psalm may be one that, that you've never noticed before, but Charles Spurgeon said about this psalm is one of the shortest to read, but one of the longest to learn. See, the key verse here, verse 2, Surely I have behaved myself and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. You say, how are you getting Thanksgiving out of this? Well, when a child is born, they're totally dependent on mom. For nourishment. Every meal comes from the same source. I mean, nursing is literally a lifeline for a child. There are no other food options. They're not ready to eat. But there will come a day when that child has to learn to go from mama to a bottle. And it's sometimes not a very good day for babies. 
You know, that they don't like leaving mama in the comfort zone to go to the bottle. They might even reach for mama. They might cry. They, and, it, and mean old mama shoves a cold bottle in my face. And my, that child fights against it. They might pout and they might scream and they might throw a fit. But it doesn't change anything because it's time to take a step. But in the child's mind, when that day comes... They're thinking things like this. Mama hates me. Mama has no heart. Mama's my enemy. Mama doesn't care if I live or die. You know, children are very dramatic, I think. Honestly, there may be some moms who cry on that day. If you've been there, then maybe you remember. From that moment on, things will never be the same. For mom and child, she'll continue to feed him, but not in the same way again. That's a tough transition sometimes. But eventually, though, the bottle gives way to table food, and that child moves on to another form of nourishment. But understand, and I want you to get this principle tonight, that the growth for that child was dependent on something being removed from his life. The growth of that child was dependent on something being removed so that he could take some steps toward maturity. And unless a mom weans her child, that child will never grow up. They'll always be a baby. And I know it's hard and the child doesn't get it and and they think that mom doesn't love me, but if a mother loves her child, she won't always give him what he wants because she knows there are things sometimes you have to remove so a child will grow. There will be times that love requires the removal of something good for growth. Weaning is to have something removed from your life that you thought you couldn't live without. And as David writes this book, these words, he's saying, I've come to the point, I've come to the point that I realize I don't need the things I once thought I had to have. I can actually be content when something is removed. See, many of us in life view this the opposite way. We think that contentment is based on all of our needs being met. But just think about it. If you can only be content as your needs are met, and life is full of needs that need to be met at all times, and there are plenty of needs that go unmet, then what you're saying is, I will never be content. Contentment will always be just beyond my reach because there will always be needs that aren't met in my life. If you're going to be measure contentment based on what you have, we're not very good at saying I have enough. Right. See, uh, I mean, there's always a nicer car and there's always a bigger house and, and there's always a better vacation and there are always more clothes to buy and there are never-ending bills. There's always something else. And the truth is we need to be weaned from the things of this world that we think will bring us contentment. Because it is only when we are weaned from certain things that we can find our greatest satisfaction in God alone. See, it is no wonder that David then wrote in verse 3, Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. You know what he's saying here? Don't be destroyed when God takes something from you. It could be that what he removes is what you need to turn to God alone. For your contentment. My challenge to you then tonight is this. Rather than be thankful for the material blessings you have this year. Maybe we ought to sit down and make a list. And it will be a very personal list. Of the things from which you have had to be weaned. 
recently. The things that God has removed from your life. And by that I mean make a list of things which through suffering or hardship God has allowed to be taken away from you. Because it is only through the removal of those things that we find our complete satisfaction in God alone. See we're like that baby being weaned. We say God doesn't love me. If he did love me he wouldn't take this away from me. God is no hard. He's cruel and, and he wants me to suffer. God doesn't care if I'm happy or not. He's my enemy or, or it's even not even something he takes away but something he won't let us have that we really want. If only I could have that, I could be happy and God won't let me have it. He doesn't love me. No, but what we don't, rec- what we don't recognize in the moment is that God is removing what he removes because he knows our growth will be limited if we keep it. See, it's sometimes the things we no longer have that we should be most thankful for. It is sometimes the things that we no longer have that we should be most thankful for. See, those things that you thought you couldn't live without at one point. Those dreams that you once had that consumed your thoughts. Those life goals that you thought, of, they, they took all of your energy, that comfort zone that you were in. And you just thought, man, I cannot survive if God takes me out of this. No, if you've gone from being consumed by those things to I can live without them, then God's work has been done in your life. And you should be thankful this week. You know, maybe it's a relationship that you were depending on for happiness and God removed it. Maybe it's an idea that you thought would make your dreams come true and God didn't allow it to happen. Uh, maybe it's uh, something that you owned, that you just loved and you couldn't release. Maybe it's a job or a position that you thought this is going to set me up for life and it's gone. Listen, I know it's hard to see those things go. But now that it's gone, you have a clearer view of God. And you recognize that he's all you need to be content. See, the things on our lists aren't all bad. In themselves, actually, they might may be quite good. But anything that keeps us from being content in God alone must be removed for us to grow. So this Thanksgiving, don't limit your gratitude. And I want you to get this last part because this this is where it comes together. Don't limit your gratitude to what you have. Be thankful for the things God has removed from your life. So that you, like Israel, can hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever you know it's kind of like that mom at mcdonald's you don't have to thank her she's just a worker and we say i cannot believe that she would say that but here's what we say very often oh i don't have to thank god for that because he took it away but maybe in taking it away god has brought you to a point where you can finally see him more clearly than you've ever seen him in your life So here's the thought that I I really want to convey tonight. It is often in what, no, sorry, it is often through what is absent that we turn to seek God's presence. It is often through what is absent that we turn to seek God's presence. It's kind of like Job said in chapter 1, verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, 
and the Lord hath what? Taken away. But what does he say at the very end there? Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job didn't bless God for what he had in that moment because, frankly, Job had nothing left. But Job did bless God for what God had removed. Now, understand, I didn't say that Job thanked God for letting it be removed. Uh, that's not the right phrase. That's not the right mi- mindset. No, I'm saying that his perspective was this. This is very hard. But I trust God. I know he loves me. And instead of despair, I'm going to turn this absence into seeking God's presence. See, it is right to thank God, not only for what he gives, but for what at times he takes away. It is right to thank God, not only for what he gives, but at times for what he takes away. I didn't say it's easy, but if the absence draws us to God's presence, it's worth the difficulties. And and that's what Job came to. And I'm asking you tonight, can you come to that? Are you able in your spirit to thank God, not just for the things that you have, but for the things that he has taken away? And I just want to remind you, it is often through what is absent that we turn to seek God's presence. And I'd like to end tonight with a time of thanksgiving. And and I'd like to ask if you're able to, I'll have the guys play the music that we typically do on Wednesday night for prayer. I'd like to ask if you're capable to consider bowing as the the most uh, biblical form of worship tonight, to humble ourselves before the Lord in humility and just thank him. And listen, not just for the blessings. Now, we're we're, we're going to spend time thanking him for the blessings. That's what Thanksgiving week is about. We thank God for the blessings. And there are plenty of things to thank him for. But tonight, I don't want to just thank him for the blessings. I want to thank him for the things that he may have removed from our lives that has drawn us closer to him. Or maybe even thank him for the things that he hasn't allowed you to have in your life. Because in not having them, you have turned to seek his presence. It is in the absence of things that we turn to seek God's presence. So tonight, don't ask for anything. I just want to express thanks to the Lord for the way that he works through the absences to draw us to his presence. You, and don't, you can't rush Thanksgiving, by the way. So I'm going, to, I'm going to consider that you maybe even asking that you take your time. And then when you're done, I'll close this in prayer. We'll dismiss this service. But I'd love to just spend some time as a church. We've said it to each other, but now let's just say it to the Lord. God, thank you. I'm not asking for anything. I just want to say thank you. And not just for the things I have but for the things that at times you've taken away so that I will be drawn closer to you. So let's take some time in bowing before the Lord tonight. When we're done, I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Let's have a time of thanksgiving as a church family.